I still find it as a, a person, I find it quite spooky to be experiencing those things that yeah. aren't real, even though you, that takes you down a whole nother philosophical path. I'm, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> you know brain in a box it's just a sensory input kind of thing let's not even let's not even go down that route you this know. is a deep Everything's an illusion in the matrix you know what <laughs> welcome to scab talk escape from tarkov podcast we continue to focus on developing the game pastor analysis data crafting and general gameplay discussions my name is Church. I'm one of your hosts. I am a video editor for a Tarkov YouTuber named Airwing Marine. And I'm Giga Beef, a Tarkov YouTuber helping you guys get better at the game. And welcome back, everybody, to Scav Talk. Another week. Me and Church, as usual, back to your usual programming. How's your week been? How's it been going? Been going good. Been going good. Tarkov played a little bit. And um, the networking issues I was having seemed to be. Temporary resolved. I, I suspect it's just a general networking issue with people because I've seen a lot more reports coming. Um, in fact, when my buddies was getting the, he like as soon as he leaves the raid, he would get the authentication error closing the game in thirty seconds. So it's nice to know it was not just me. And um, yeah, it's just Tarkov currently, I suppose. But um, been playing a lot of Elder Ring, which I want to talk about a little bit. It's a very very cool game. And um, yeah, how about your week, Giga? What you been getting into? Yeah, it's been, as usual, I've been very, very busy, but I've been looking <laughs> at a few, um, yeah, it's like a, a little bit a little bit slower on, on raids and stuff as, again, but I've been looking into a little bit more about some of the recoily stuff. Like, I looked at some of the specifics of things that we discussed last time, the uh -huh. practical elements of those. So I'll probably talk about that in a little bit as well. So I, I've had many people, and you've said as well yourself, like you know, check out the scar properly and like give it, give it a go and give it a try. And tons <laughs> try. of other people on on my various videos like make about the M4, and everyone's like, "Giga, try the scar, come on, like you got to do it, man." I'm like, oh, I don't know why, I don't actually know why I've been dragging my heels so much, but I have finally got around to looking at it properly. I know that it's a good gun. Everyone as braved about it so it almost seemed like one of those things where i was kind of like everyone's talked about it everyone knows everything there is to know about it so what's the, what's even the point of looking at it but mm -hmm. that said i ended up looking at some interesting things i thought were useful and maybe hadn't been done in quite that way about about the stats and, and that kind of stuff so that solidified in my mind exactly how it feels at least in game why it ends up feeling good so there's nothing really groundbreaking but we can go through it in a little bit as to potentially some interesting takeaways from that it's gonna actually i've made a proper video about it so that yeah, you'll see yeah. it all in its full glory tomorrow which was the one that i was we were talking about a little bit before about encoding problems this is the one i had to redo four times mm. so I feel for paul veritas <laughs> and his three hour video and his encoding issues because my eight minute video caused me enough problems and that's you know nowhere near the same the same same issue only taking six minutes or something to encode but anyway tarkov itself there as again not a great deal of news we have a small patch this week which for the most part seems to have reversed back the jump height change whatever manifestation that was some mm -hmm. people were saying it was strength some people were saying it was jump in particular but the whatever the exact cause the ramification was that you couldn't get up certain ledges 
certain items, places that you used to be able to get to before. And I heard anecdotally when I was reading around in a few places that people were saying that you couldn't jump over the generators in resort and things like that. So there were some unintended consequences. Yeah. I didn't see know if you clip. saw anything like that. Did you see a, Did you see the clip? No, the I just read it. Oh, so I saw a clip. The He was jumping over the generator and it was like pushing him out. And then he just was like repeatedly jumping. Oh man, where did I, I felt like I shared that clip somewhere, but anyways, yeah, I've, I've seen that and I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't know what it was, if it's strength jumping what, but. Exactly. It's, it seems, yeah, it seems like a, a jumping thing, but I, I don't know why they included that in particular, because I always found jumping quite clumsy anyway. Mm. And we've all, we talked about this before, little lips and ledges, you go in customs and there's the wall and there's the broken piece, but you always have to jump over, even though it's only five centimeters tall or or something like that so i'm quite glad that they returned that back i don't really see why that was there in the first place so so that's pretty good and then the only other thing was something it seems very very minor it took me a few reads to actually understand what it was about it was about a ui border change or something which i realized i had actually seen when i'd been screenshotting stuff for various videos that sometimes the background would bleed through but it's such a minor change that it Mm. hardly warrants discussion in, in my opinion but other than that it's been pretty quiet in terms of in terms of the news um i think the one topic that i did want to bring up first and foremost and actually we didn't speak about this before was veritas's audio video which is in my opinion probably one of the bigger news events of the Tarkov week because it's such yeah that's a, fair to say a unique piece and is very special in terms of content it's very different to everything else other people are making because this stuff takes an incredible amount of time to mm-hmm to create i don't know whether you got a chance to listen to the three hour magnum <laughs> opus that it was i listened to it but i wouldn't say like you know very attentively it was on the side monitor while i was playing uh elden ring <laughs> there was parts that i would like you know get to a safe spot and then like rewind and pay attention but it was sort yeah. of like half background half yeah, listening to it. Fair well. enough. Fair enough. I, I listened to it fairly fairly in depth, I would say. I had a, mm-hmm. a long journey where I listened to an hour and a half of it. And then I watched the other hour and a half actually properly, which I think that helped a bit because a lot of it was you just needed to listen to. But the, I mean, there's so much to talk about there. I think anybody who follows the podcast quite regularly mm-hmm. will have heard various elements of the video in one form or another in its infant yeah. form from yeah. Veritas as he's kind of gone through his thought process, which is interesting to then see his final finished piece. There's, it's nice to see the whole package as it all comes together in one place rather than different conversations spread out across different weeks. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's good. I think it's a very, very good summary of the way that it's all been put together to try and explain it to everybody. The one thing because it's like there's so much to talk about there but the the one part that i found quite interesting was listening to some of the comparisons which i agreed i hadn't seen that before people turning on and off binaural audio and comparing different areas with problems stairs and other areas with strange occlusion and this kind of thing and the the one thing that sort of surprised me is how not how do i describe this when i first was listening to the comparisons it was how actually not that good steam audio is which sounds kind of weird because i've always okay. had steam audio on i've always had it on and i wouldn't say 
Maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe it's just me, but I wouldn't say that the audio is always been super incredible clear like it's definitely better than having it off for me personally i find with it off i really can't tell at all what's going on and um, but with steam audio i i can i at least have a chance but i did the quiz on veritas's twitter yeah and i got i i got most of them wrong i got about half which i thought oh, it's still really hard and i think he, he covers this in the video saying that so much of what we Knowing Tarkov is it's not just you're hearing a random audio source in a void, which is right. what you're doing when you're listening to the right. video or you're doing the quiz that he put out or whatever, because you know where you are, you know what the map looks like, you know where the potential people are. You get the audio cues, it's not just one audio and then it's gone. It's you get the audio cue of someone walking and then they're moving and then they're coming towards you, or there were shots in a direction. So you kind of you have all of these other clues around you to figure out yeah. where stuff is. So in game it actually feels kind of okay. But I was really surprised as to how hard it was, even with the binaural audio settings, to actually figure it out. And that was then confirmed with the community poll results that he showed mm -hmm. which yeah people got 50 percent right but people only got 15 percent when they weren't using it so originally i thought ah oh, okay well maybe just maybe that's just how it is and maybe it's me but then it turned out it was kind of the same for everybody but then take it into context with all the other clues that we have then it actually means that you can pretty well figure out where people are when you're actually playing so maybe it was fine but that was i found that kind of strange because all along i was sort of under the impression that yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's always been really good for me. And when I really struggled with the test, I actually, that kind of made me take a step back the other way. I was definitely like on the Steam audio train until taking the test and thinking, man, either I'm really bad at this or it's not as good as I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was sort of a criticism of the test for me. But then again, I understand why it was conducted in that manner because you're trying to isolate all those other variable slash information and just have the sound play in the void to get like that objective you know here's steam out on how good can you perceive directional sound here's stereo sound how good can you perceive uh directional sound and like clearly steam audio was better in that you know test but yeah without having the 3d space to like you know move, move your head and then have the sound because like you could hear a sound and then turn your head and then you would like also the sound would move with your head turning so it would be like even enhance further your ability to localize yeah. so not having that was like a huge like disadvantage you could say but um yeah it was actually like dude the difference between um theme audio and not steam audio was like pretty clearly <laughs> i think you should be using steam audio like uh just said in general but no yeah exactly exactly and i think yeah we spoke about it before that there are some bugs the the blast of air and the loud scab voices <laughs> yeah. which can can be an advantage which he basically said exactly the same thing as the yeah. what we said about that which was interesting that it can be an advantage it's kind of annoying the blast of air doesn't sound like anything else in tarkov so it doesn't really bother you and other things you hear actual sounds, but from really far away. So kind of swings and roundabouts doesn't, I'm not really sure if that's then a good or a bad thing, but it was, no, it was, it was good overall. Anybody who hasn't listened to it, it's, it is a, it's, it's difficult to recommend a three hour video to anybody because you could 
watch two short movies in the same time. Yeah. But it's very good. And if you don't listen to the podcast and you haven't been following along with some of the conversations that Veritas has been having about Steam Audio or some of those discussions, then most of the material will be new. And that makes it even more compelling, I think, if you haven't been following along with that and you're interested in the audio and whether Steam Audio is good or not, or if you think Steam Audio is bad or whatever, it's de- then it's definitely worth listening to because there's a lot of other stuff in there. I mean, it's, it's a huge video about audio, but it's also about mindset, the talk of community, the way that people perceive things, how people get led into different opinions by people at the top and about how people come to conclusions on various topics without necessarily, through no fault of their own, but people blaming things that aren't the real cause because it seems like something else it's hard to explain but there's a, there's a lot of topics about that about critical thinking and stuff which i i thought was also pretty cool so i i think honestly i think it's it's well worth the listen and I, if, even if you have to split it up into 30 minute pieces while you're walking somewhere on the train or whatever just like just just do it i, I think it's i think it's worthwhile it's worthwhile for every everyone to hear i really do i really do i think for me but that yeah. video was like more about like it wasn't really about steam audio it was more about truth and like (laughs) you know how you know what tools do you use to come to get your evidence for the truth and thing you know things it was more like a philosophical video in some ways which um was fine but um I don't know. Listening to the podcast so much, the you know, the one Veritas and Jesse does, it it was sort of like I don't want to say rehashing, but you know, I guess I guess for me it wasn't like as impactful as maybe I wanted to be or other people that it was, and that's probably just because I've heard a lot of these things talked about through the course of listening. So, um, but yeah, I think that gen- makes sense because yeah, yeah, <laughs> like if if someone was like, you know. Hey, should I use Steam Audio? Yes, you should. And then they say, "Why should you go watch this three-hour video?" <laughs> Maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll try to give like a brief explanation of. And if they're still skeptical, fine, great, go watch this video. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it's such a weird weird thing to say, like, because in some ways too, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get get into some of these other things. But yeah, cool video. Cool video. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was good. I thought that was good. I, I have it on. I've had it on ever since the start. Do you have mm-hmm. it on now? Do you have Steam Audio on yes. now? Did you have it? You didn't have it on before, did you? No. So I've had it on since last week, I guess, like sometime last week, which is like, I haven't played that much. Um, but yeah, my buddy was on Embercom and in Interchange, the, the medical metal medical wing that you can unlock. And I was in Rasmussen, I think, and I heard a key for like a split second. And I looked at my second monitor in his stream and he was unlocking the door. So I was like, dude, this is like really OP in some cases. And and it's like, as we were saying earlier, like in a void, if I just heard a key, that can mean like anything. But because I'm here and it's coming from this direction and I know like, the map and i know there's like only like two keys like there's freaking um uh the medical wing upstairs near tech light and then the emercom medical unit like there's only there's only so many possibilities like it just 
I can put all these things together and come to like a very like reasonable conclusion. And to have that extra information from a bug is kind of like kind of OP. But um, yeah, so I can't wait to keep testing it. I don't know. It's it's like I don't want to say testing, just using it. Like it's been it's been so long, like a year since I've used Steam Audio. So it's it's um yeah, it's really good. Really good. It'll be interesting to see what you say then next week if if you play some more raids or whatever and see how because I think there is probably also a acclimatization period to it because changing anything even if it's better you have to it's like the what's the dis- the description that i like to think about the landscape of improvement or mm-hmm. anything of that nature is is like a, a mountain range yeah and you you get to the peak of your mountain but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the the peak everywhere but you have to climb down your mountain to get up another one yeah so yeah, you yeah. always have to go through the valley first before you get to to a higher mountain so even though you're at the peak of your little bit, you, there's a higher peak somewhere else, but you have to, <laughs> you have to travel there. Um, so I'm interested to see what you say. That's the thing is like, for the, it's just pure laziness, honestly, for the longest time since the, since the ghost footsteps was like rampant and I had it off. I was just like, I don't want to turn it back on because I don't want to go down the, the, the valley, even though the peak is probably higher. <laughs> I just don't want to go down. I was so lazy, dude so and i suspect the hardest thing for me is going to be learning the vertical like the above frequencies or eq and then the lower frequencies because you know without seam audio it's literally just (laughs) a guess every time like you don't know you know so but with it it will sound different but i'm gonna have to learn probably from dying it's like oh he was actually on the floor not above me so but that would come in time. So I look forward to yeah. that. It is strange. That's that's similar to changing a keybind that you know is going to be good for you in the long term, but you don't have yeah. muscle memory, and it's it's <laughs> it's so tough. Yeah, but at least at least with this, you get a chance of figuring out where the audio is. It's so weird actually, because left and right is so obvious because there was actual speakers there. But with the mm-hmm. HRTF function, yep. it is strange to experience sound from above and sound from below, even though you know that it's equal in both ears. It's just the way that the the way like it, it's strange because you think oh I can I can feel it above yeah. even though it's not like it's yeah. I find that slightly spooky personally mm-hmm. even though I know you know it's, it's just science and waves and whatever but I still find it as a a person I find it quite spooky to be experiencing those things that yeah <laughs> aren't real even though you, that takes you down a whole another philosophical path I'm I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> you know brain in a box it's just a sensory input kind of thing let's not even let's not even go down that route you this know. is a deep Everything's an illusion in the matrix you know what I... <laughs> so uh, yes what's next then church what's next um i just have some funny stories i guess so my buddy a little while ago he was on the uh punisher part six quest we gotta do svd kills and the group was we were playing with, we were just running shoreline like nonstop. And he was like, man, I, I would have killed this guy. But I, when I went through the doorway, my gun like did the whole, you know, tucked in, tucked out thing. So I shot to my left. Kind of like how we talked about last week where that one guy you were describing where he was, you know, hit his gun on a railing and it shot his teammate <laughs> in the face. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily then I had my buddy, but it just cost him the fight. And I was like, you know, what you can do is fold your stock. And it actually won't uh, won't do that as much. And I said it as like a meme, right? Like 
oh yeah just do this one thing well he actually did he got two kills with it he was like hey church i did the thing he suggests i got two kills it works thanks i was like what you actually did it yeah he folded his stock so it was because it's it's honestly it's a pretty cool feature they have like when i first got the game I saw you could fold your stocks in rain. There's like animation. I was like, oh, that's cool. But what does it actually do besides make my gun shoot worse? But you can like, when you hit objects in 3D space, your gun will like move further back into your shoulder because there is nothing touching your shoulder, which makes sense, right? So it's kind of cool. Kind of like a like a Omega niche thing. I love to see them do more stuff around that, like blind firing, side firing, like kind of like these things. Um, but yeah, so that was just kind of like a funny little thing. The other thing I was going to ask you about is I saw your suppressor video and I was so happy, yes, that you included the mini monster and you mm. included the finer details that it doesn't take up a slot. <laughs> it doesn't add an extra yep. slot. I love that part, dude. And the mini monster has been like one of my favorite suppressors, but because it's, its stats are like really good in terms of like not reducing your ergo but the recoil side is like not amazing <laughs> and i've like always really dreamt of having just like this insanely high ergo dmr adar thing but it's uh, it always comes down to like well i can make a few sacrifices for recoil for ergo but generally speaking just go for ergo i mean recoil because it's just superior and like who cares if i can ads a few milliseconds faster when I can just fire more shots on target. Like it's just it, the trade-off just isn't always there. So yeah, I mean um, and that's why I specifically recommended it for the MDR because I think I, that's the yeah. perfect use case. That's a good point. It's already a short weapon. It doesn't get any longer by adding on the the mini monster. <laughs> the recoil doesn't get affected really by the meta suppressor much anyway, and mm. it already has high ergo, and you retain that high ergo and can stay suppressed. And so it's you know it's it's good. It's good. Yeah. And the MDR, which I'll maybe speak a little bit about later, has also very good vertical recoil stats. So it's a strong contender. It's actually, with that suppressor, it's pretty good. The only issue that I find with that suppressor is it's quite expensive because people use it. That's the thing. For doing some of the gunsmith yeah. ones, I think. Because rather, there's lots of different ways to do gunsmith, but Mini Monster is one of those ways because yeah. you go, oh, well, I, I need it needs to be suppressed. The recoil doesn't need to be that high, but it's normally the ergo on the gunsmith builds that is the problem usually yeah. they ask you to have a 60 rounder or something and so it's ergo becomes a real issue and the mini monster is one way to bypass that and fix it without having to buy a growl and buy an are buffer tube and then all, all sorts of other meta stuff mm -hmm. you can just stick the mini monster on it and, and fix that so it ends up being quite expensive relative to some of the other suppressors but yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely a choice and I, I think for that particular niche of the mdr i think it actually works pretty well because it's yeah, you you can't do much to it anyway. So, but if you want to go suppressed, then you can grab this guy, and it's you retain your nice ergonomics, but you don't lose that much because there's no there's no opportunity cost to the suppressor, if that makes sense. So it's you can't make it good anyway. So you may as well just use the thing that yes, keeps the ergo nice exactly. Because because on other guns, as you're saying exactly, there's an opportunity cost to not using the other suppressors because it makes such a big difference because the base recoil is so high, but the base recoil is so low on the MDR, and it makes no difference at all. Which is yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. It is pretty cool. What was I going to ask you about? Oh yes, I remember. I was going to ask you before we get too deep into the Tarkov how the Elden Ring has been. 
and jump into oh, that man. now. Okay. I've not so I've not played any Elden Ring at all. I don't even have the game. I haven't bought it. I've obviously seen a bit of the Twitter sphere talking about some of the stuff, but it looks like Dark Soulsy kind of game, and that's fine. And I probably would enjoy it. And that's really all I've gleaned from it so far. There's really I don't really know anything about it. So I'm a complete layperson when it comes to Elden Ring. So how how is it? Is it is it worth picking up? Uh, what what do you think? As the it's like, see, I would love to hear someone who's never played a Dark Souls game play. Or I have a, actually never played a Dark that's Souls. That's the game. thing. You gotta play it now, Gabe, because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's good, but I kind of miss some of the old, you know, like mm. the grassroots stuff. Like, I don't know. It's it's cool because it is open world, and that's really cool. But at the same time. I'm like constantly struggling between completionists because the worlds and maps are so big and there's so many like side stuff to do. And I don't want to miss out on an item that could be like S tier for my build. Right. And so I'm torn between doing that. And then I'm also torn between just like progressing the main game and like getting into the the castles, I guess you could say, because that's like that's where it's like hitting me with, with like the nostalgia. Like, oh man, this is like the old Dark Souls. Because the old Dark Souls, like Souls from Software's previous games, right? Dark Souls would say they were like some were lin- more linear than others, but they just felt very like crafted, like you know. Whereas the open world can feel very like. Oh, we'll sprinkle some activity over here, sprinkle some activity over here, and then like once you do all these different activities and you you know you finally cleared all that, now you can go to the main area and then it's like you're back to the old old way. It's like here's like a castle and you can go these different yeah. routes to get to the end and there's like traps and like, you know, things are uh thrown at the player to challenge them. So I'm like constantly torn between that and that's been like really I've been really struggling with that. Um so it is cool though because I've always like thought like man they could take this formula and like put it in an open world or even put it in like a roguelike game with like procedural generated stuff but I don't know man it's it's I would love to have you play it and see if it's like unbelievable because they did keep a lot of the grassroots in there like over the course of their different series of the souls genre or whatever you know they sort of like toned down some things that were like just kind of a pain to deal with like (laughs) in demon souls you had like god they had a weight system so like not stuff on your character but stuff you were holding you you would be way down and then you couldn't pick up new items once you were overweight so you had to like leave the level go back to the hub world dump offload all your stuff go back to the level and then start again like it was just kind of annoying they had like durability your guns or sorry your guns here thing about tarkov your your weapons would wear down and break if you didn't repair them and it was like they're broken and it's like well ggs you know i, I think i don't know so they've like slowly like toned down a lot of that stuff um but like one of the big things and this is where i would love to hear j dog opinion on is they made one of the like the classic things of the Souls series is 
it had a multiplayer element to it, right? So this invasion thing, right? Yes, the invasion thing. And traditionally what happened is you would be progressing through a level and if you got an item and this item was like a consumable and it would make you more powerful typically um but at the cost of you were now open to being invaded right and invasions is where someone could basically jump into your world and their goal was to kill you and it was like i don't know it's kind of a weird thing because their matchmaking balance wasn't always on point and I won't go too deep into this, but I'll say this in the open world Elden Ring that they made, you can do some pretty disgusting stuff. Like you can get your character really, really powerful of like a bunch of gear and stuff, mm-hmm. but not, but be at the level for the right matchmaking for low tier. So you'd have like all yeah. of these, like, yeah, all these like talismans and different buffs and stuff from like the end game that you go down to the low tier and just bully people. It's I was watching Moon Moon stream, dude. He was going on like a man, like a like a baby rage moment, dude. Because the the PvP. All right, let let me let me start here. So let me rewind it back a bit before I go into that. Now the only way you can invade is. If someone does co-op, so they have to summon a friendly. For example, I've been playing exclusively solo. It's literally impossible for anyone to invade me. Literally impossible. Now, in previous games, you know, like like we said, you could be playing solo. You use the item, it gets you more powerful, but at the risk of being invaded, right? You could summon people to help you. There was like, people could have tier like different factions that were like designed to basically help people getting invaded um but it was like you had to call them it wasn't like co-op related right it was like a single player thing but some people they were like hey i don't want to do any of this multiplayer invasion stuff you know i just want to play the game so they'll start the game in offline mode essentially and so that was like a way for them to circumvent that well now it's like you don't even have to do that because you can just play never do co-op and then you'll never get invaded so like i kind of see you know some people make the argument why they do it like this well i would say like well people would just play offline to avoid that so it didn't really matter you know fine whatever but but at the same time now every invasion is a 2v1 so you're one guy against two people and when you invade you are at a disadvantage because you can't have that power up consumable right because that's how that's sort of like what triggers the in previous games um and in all the games your flask which you use to like heal yourself with you have like a limited number of uses that gets replenished every time you hit a checkpoint well you as a vader you can't hitting checkpoints to to refill it but also you get a reduced amount like half of what you would have as a normal person okay fine so like they've for whatever reason, they made the like tilt the favor really heavily into like the person getting invaded. And as I said, I was watching Moon Moon and he was doing some invasions on his main character, and he was just like, This is absolute dog shit. <laughs> because not only is it always a 2v1, but 
the net code is so bad. Like, dude, the I don't know why. I think it's because Japan is like the size of California. And they just like, for whatever reason, like Nintendo, FromSoft, they just don't care about like connecting two people further than the size of Japan. So like right. the netcode is just trash. Like people are like teleporting. Like it is like, you think Tarkov netcode is bad? Like you can't even, like this doesn't even hold a candle to it. It is really bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it was really bad in the early days. Like, but it's still very bad now. So the experience is just like really bad for multiplayer. I would say you can do duels, which is like, you know, just whatever you meet, we, we just fight each other, but it's not the same as like, there is something about when you're playing the game, you're progressing, you're trying to get to the boss. Right. And then all of a sudden this text pops up, you know, Billy's souls <laughs> is invading you. And you can't progress until you defeat Billy Souls. He's like it's like a player mini boss, you know? Yeah, that's and cool. And it was like it's cool. And you know, it's like, well, what happens if you die? Nothing really. You just you your currency gets dropped at the place of death. You respawn back at a checkpoint. You now have one chance to go back and pick up the currency. You know, and then because you lost the fight with Billy Souls, Billy's is gone, right? So like it was it's not like a huge thing, but I understand people want different experiences, whatever. All that being said, that was a long rant about the multiplayer. Overall, I think the game's really good. Um, I just, I'm a little skewed in that I liked some of the earlier games for just the feeling it gave me. I mean, they have, they have yeah. some of that in there, and I really do believe that, like, if someone tried to copy this formula, it just wouldn't be the same because it doesn't have that from soft touch like some of the things they do with like the world building and the lore and like the design it's like very unique to from soft you know it's kind of like tarkov and bsg it's just like you try to copy it but you can't you can't copy the the masterpiece you know what i mean you can't yeah. make the replica so that makes sense that makes that makes so much sense i mean i was i was even thinking about i was thinking about diablo 2 again the other day and there's like mm -hmm. the same thing there right like you can't you can't really copy the feel of the game. You know, you can you can make a different game. You can make Path of Exile and all this other stuff. And I've, I've, I've played Path of Exile, but nothing quite feels the same as old Diablo Two. It's just a, <laughs> it's a it's a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. Now I'm I'm, I'm interested to play it because I, I, I used to you know I, I have played my fair share of RPG type games along yeah. the way. It's always it's never been I've never been competitively into RPG. It's always been mm -hmm. a kind of the thing that I used to do more of in back in the day, I actually used to play more of them prior to getting really into strategy, which is was my first true love in terms of PC gaming and, and that kind of thing. So after that, it was very much like strategy and FPS only. But I played my fair share. You know, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan, and I've played my fair share of those. And for these days, I do tend to be let much less. And yeah, same with Elder Scrolls and that kind of thing. I've played all those too, but I'm, I'm much less completiony now just because of various things and being busy so when i played the latest final fantasy i had to really force myself to not get distracted by all the side stuff so i feel like if i played it it would be quite a if i was if i was able to i mean as far as as far yeah. as i can as a, as a novice souls player it'd be quite a rigorous progress through uh, you know swiftly i would say um to the best of my ability as opposed to going through everything because i'll just never finish it otherwise yeah I mean, that's, 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 the the, that's the thing that i realized is that if it's a single player game first and foremost then i want to just go through and finish it and if it's that good and i've loved it that much then i can always go redo it 
do it properly, nice and slowly, you know, that kind of thing. What happens when you fin? I mean, if there's no spoilers or anything, like, what happens when you finish it? Do you do you like re- is are there different modes? Can you restart it, or do you just start again from scratch? What's kind of the deal? So I'm only like 36 hours in on my main, and I I I'm probably like a third of the way through the game. It feels like okay. like there's just so much to do. But traditionally, yeah, there's like in game plus, like you could start the game new and restart the linear progression and there's like the same items but they're buffed and just like randomly mm. scattered it's basically the same thing you could just keep playing um and just killing mobs but it's like i don't know it's, it's kind of like a boss design game like you're you know you, you go from point a level to point b and at the end there's a boss you know it's like how the trend follows so yeah the whole point is kind of just like going through that experience well, I might, I might pick it up. I might pick it up. We'll see. We'll see. I'm intrigued. I've seen everybody under the sun talking about it, and it has, I would say, overwhelmingly positive feedback. This is one of those things where I don't ever really these days check critic websites or or ratings, reviews, or really any of that. To be honest, I just slowly get filtered through on Twitter various opinions of things and just build up mm-hmm. this kind of mental map of how good a thing is. And you just you get quite a good sense without ever really having deliberately looked it up i find and there seems to be an overall positive feeling towards the game i've not i've seen a couple of people say oh this and all that but that's that's fine that's the way with any game people have different opinions on the way things should have been done but everybody seems to agree that it's good and i've even even go so far as to say that people are saying that it's an issue for the whole genre because now everyone's going to hold other games to the standard of of this game and it potentially makes problematic for other developers so that's that's a good thing when you're talking about the game itself so i may well pick it up and and let you know because i've watched other people play demon souls a long long time ago and and i'm broadly you know i'm broadly aware of the game and everything's the souls of xyz xyz Mm -hmm. so you know it's, it's it's impossible not to be at least vaguely familiar with the format sure. but i've never actually had my hands on the controls and played so it would be it would be interesting to see from a complete novice's perspective going into elden ring i'm i'm intrigued i am in, i'm intrigued i'm more intrigued now i wasn't as intrigued before but i'm more intrigued now so interesting i'll if i do pick it up I'll, I'll have to i'll have to let you know i'll have to let you know so I guess that's it about Elden Ring. Yeah, I mean, I could go on, but, you know. But, uh... <laughs> Probably should veer back to to EFT. Yeah, I mean... so I did want to talk about, um, you put down here Crosshair video from Rengar. 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 I, I just, yeah. man, my, my general English pronunciation is garbage, <laughs> so anyone of, like, a name of, like, patterns of letters that aren't that i don't see on a daily basis i just i can't pronounce i just can't so um yeah i watched the video and i remember someone talking about this and um in a discord call but yeah i thought um we could maybe have a discussion about the general sphere of excuse me um hardware advantages like you know buying purchasing hardware specifically for the an advantage in a video game, I guess you could say. Um, things yeah. like um that he mentioned in the video was like your some monitors like mine, for example, comes with a 
on screen crosshair that you can have like it will just always be displayed or yeah. um you know eq tuning which i've heard of in the past and never really gotten into um things like macros on on mouses so this kind of stuff so i guess to open a discussion um what were your thoughts on the video in general i wasn't really sure what he was going to say because i yeah. thought i don't really see how this is even possible and he says at the beginning Obviously, it'd be a bit silly to have a video just saying, well, lasers, lasers are the crosshair that you get in Tarkov automatically with the game. <laughs> yeah. But most of the video, for those people who haven't seen Rengar's video about, I think, what was it specifically called? It says there's an inbuilt crosshair in EFT, something like that. Something like that. And the, the whole premise of the video is that if you use, and I, honestly, I'd never seen this before. I know, didn't know people did this or that this is even a consideration that some people use the RK2 canted foregrip because. Is it like is this really a widespread thing? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it is, and I've just missed it. I, don't I know. will say <laughs> I felt like the Canton. I could hit fire better. I didn't know why, right? Mm. Like I have a vivid memory of SA fifth, like the juice cannon with the yeah. Canton. It was just like, dude, it was felt because the gun was super long, and then something about yeah. yeah so 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 the premise is that the it's either the second or the third knuckle on your PMC's hand mm-hmm. because because the Canton foregrip moves the hand out to the left-hand side of the weapon, you can then trace up from one of the knuckles, and that gives you the center of where the gun is pointed. Because the the point that he was making was that even if you have an inbuilt crosshair on your monitor, because Tarkov's ballistics, like we've talked about in other episodes, rely on the actual barrel's position, and there's a sway on the barrel around a, a a central point, you can never know exactly where it is. So having a crosshair sometimes is actually misleading because the barrel isn't always pointed at the center of the screen. But the the RK2, because it's connected to the gun and because the hand that holds the RK2, the left hand, is also connected to the to the gun by virtue of being connected to the RK2, that moves in tandem with the barrel. And so if you trace up from the knuckle, that gives you the center of where the barrel is pointed in on the screen. And he showed quite a few examples of where it did seem to work and seemed pretty accurate, actually. And I think with a little bit of practice, I've never really done this. I don't normally use that grip, to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. with a little bit of practice, I can imagine that that might make some kind of sense. And I suppose the idea is, yes, a laser does work. I normally use a laser personally and a visible one at that. That's usually what I do. But I mm-hmm. think this is if you really want to go min maxi or metery or top level about it, you have the RK2 that gives you a kind of pointer. Then you use one of the infrared lasers, which reduces the hip fire spread without giving away your position and then you've got information about where your barrel is pointed without your opponent having information of where your barrel is pointed which is the problem with the lasers and i i often do buy myself an nc star blue it is arguably the worst one because it seems to spread as it goes further away and is visible because it's very blue whereas the red ones and pretty much all the other ones that you have i believe stay really small as a little dot they don't spread out like the NC hmm. Star does. Because I think that one's supposed to be an airsoft cheap thing. And it's the cheapest one in the <laughs> okay. game anyway. I can see that. So I believe I believe that's the case anyway. And I know that there's some weird bugs with lasers. Like if you're in, I don't know if this is still the case actually, but I've definitely seen it before. If you're in, say, forklift room on factory and someone shines an NC Star blue on the outside, I think this works for any laser actually. You can see it through the metal wall. So and the same thing for doors oh. and stuff like that. There's weird bugs with some lasers, or there used to be anywhere. I haven't, I haven't tested it recently, but there definitely used to be the case where if somebody was outside, you could still see it through the door. 
because I, I imagine it's modeled as just a two two D thing, so you can see it on both sides. The bug still exists. Okay, so the chat's saying that bug still exists. So yeah, there, there's some issues. You have to be careful about where you're pointing. I always try to point my laser around doors and things yeah, by moving yeah. from one side to the other. I love the way sometimes this is a bit of an aside, but I love the way sometimes in these games you end up using all the little mechanics to try and do something. So I would be pointing one side, but I want to be pointed the other side of the door. But I know that my laser might be visible on the door. So I start to move my mouse around the door frame instead so they don't see it. But then I know that because I'm turning, my feet are going to make the crunching sound. So I have to set my speed to the minimum, make sure I'm not overweight, then start moving my feet, then turn with the laser over the door so that I don't make a crunching sound as I turn my feet around. Like, it's actually insane, some of the stuff that we do in these games, just because like yeah. the specific interaction between our, our character and our player with the environment. It is quite funny, actually. But anyway, so that was that's the idea. You have the RK2, you have your knuckle, your knuckle tells you where the center is by tracing upwards, at least gives you a good visual reference in your periphery while you're firing, you can keep it in line. I, I actually found it a little bit difficult to keep that in mind. I did give it a little go, but because I wasn't that used to it, it would, it would take a little bit of acclimatizing. I never normally use that grip, so I wasn't really used to it. But if you're using that with the hip fire reducing IR, then you should, in theory, be able to shoot people better without them being able to see you. And that was... That was the premise of the video. And I thought it was kind of interesting because I'd never seen that before, personally. And he is right about crosshairs not working properly because of the barrel sway. So you could end up... It's okay if you're in a CQB, everybody's full autoing and everyone's got a drum sure. and it's just sheer panic. That Having a, a crosshair on screen is going to be better than nothing. And you do get better at hip, well, point fire over time. I wouldn't say I'm amazing, but I've definitely got better through my Tarkov career. So I I don't have the ability to put a crosshair on on my screen. I've never really tried it. I never really wanted to try it because I didn't want to give myself that crutch. Mm. And I guess it's probably the same for other people, plus the fact that, as we said, it doesn't really work very well. So I don't know. Have you have you ever tried? Have you ever tried putting the crosshair on? Has it been something you've tempted, been tempted to do? Because in theory, you know, you think, well, there's nothing to really stop you. And it's... Maybe just for science, like once, mm. maybe, but I don't, I'm I'm it pretty is, like yeah. hard pass on that type of stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the, it's the beginning of the gray area where <laughs> it's, the... is that a modification of the, is it, well, I guess the, the question is, is it cheating? Well, is it cheating? And if you could argue that it is in some senses. But it's very much in that. I don't know. I would. I would say personally that strictly speaking, mm -hmm. the line where cheating begins, it's okay. Just over it, in my personal view. But whether I could codify that in a way that's self-consistent, I'm not entirely sure because things like monitors, hardware, mice with better sensitivity. People just using bigger monitors with higher right, frame rates. Is right. that cheating? Well, absolutely. Well, no, that definitely isn't <laughs> cheating. And so that's the thing, whether whether I can codify that. And I, I feel like it's maybe slightly different because running the game in a better way as it was intended, which is through the which is the hardware thing. Because the hardware thing I think is easy to it's easy to come to a common sense answer that that's not cheating to buy a better machine because it would be absurd yeah. <laughs> to argue otherwise right you you can you can definitely you can i think everyone would agree that it's not necessarily fair 
Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's cheating. It's also not necessarily fair that someone can play 12 hours a day and someone else can only play one hour. It's right. along that same, those same lines, in my opinion. Whereas I believe with the crosshair thing, you're interacting with the game in a way that was never intended. Mm-hmm. Whether it's even possible to detect is a completely separate and different right. question. This is almost the the discussion of whether something is legal or not, or whether it's enforceable yes. or not, is another separate right. issue. But whether it's something is legal or not, technically speaking, in the first place, this is sort of what the the point is. And I I do I do think that it would technically be cheating. I think. I'm not 100% sure either. I, I I think it probably is. I think it probably is in the strictest of senses, but it's completely undetectable, so no one would ever know if you were doing it. I don't know. What do you think? Well, interestingly enough, I had a discussion about this, um, not specifically crosshairs or cheating or not, but just in general, what qualifies something as cheating? What qualifies something as an exploit? It's what's hard. legitimate? Um, and we were talking about RMT, and some other stuff, but what one of the definitions we came up with for cheating was, um, you know, was this, in t- um, sorry, that was exploiting. Cheating was like third party, um, sources to gain an advantage in the game, right? So, like, I don't know. This again, this is like covers so many things, but. <clears throat> You know, when we cheating in the terms of like aimbotting and you know wall hacking, I think that's like pretty like yeah, that's a third party hack that gets you an advantage in the game. Like you could tack on um, at the end of that that was not intended from the developers because they're kind of like the grand authority over this all. You know, what you or I say yeah. is cheating and not cheating doesn't really matter. It's like kind of what they say. They're like the lawmakers, I guess you could say. So you really should probably tack that on on the end there. Um, so we'll go with that. You know, a, a third party source that gives you an advantage in the game, whereas like exploiting or glitching is like an unintended thing that players within the game that players use to get an advantage that was not intended from the developers. You know, um, things like yeah. leaning into the bunker reserves to see through the map. Like you know, it's technically not cheating because they're not using a third party source to do this you know magic they're just using the game but it's an oversight or a bug or, or exploit from the you know developer so it's just something they have to correct essentially right so now when it comes to like the, the crosshairs things it is a third party thing right yeah <laughs> and it does give an advantage so, mm-hmm. for me, it's cheating. But if BSG doesn't have a problem with it, then I mean, I I may or may not still have a problem with it. But you know, whatever. You know, they're they're the final say on this type of stuff. I think that's the thing. It's like I would imagine, and I'm putting words in their mouth, but I would imagine that given the deliberate choice of not including a crosshair in right. Point Fire in Tarkov, sort of implies that they do not want people using a crosshair. If they are not ads and they have to use the in-game items, and therefore, from the point of view of the devs, that it it would be something they wouldn't want. And given that it's in third-party software, then I think it would meet the definition of cheating in Tarkov, if that is the case. 
personally. I, I do th- I do think so actually, but I yeah. think that fits the definition then. Because I was trying to wonder how the, how a better monitor fits into that definition. Because it's interesting to think of those cases that are clear right. cut not cheating. It's a third party piece of equipment that if you I mean I mean, you could like okay, like you could take the argument in a mm-hmm. stupid way, right? You say, well, a third-party <laughs> piece of equipment you, that you can then, I got a graphics turn, card, you know, turn up the yeah, or like turn up the, the the color or saturation or whatever to some stupid level that was never intended by the developers. Well, is that cheating? I mean, technically, according to the definition, yes. So it's it's a it's a funny one. It's the it's that gray area of what's third-party. Yeah. You know, it depends because is a monitor third-party? Well, no, because the I think that's I think that's probably where that argument falls apart. Actually, I'm, I'm picking apart my own argument here, but the I think that's where that argument falls apart because you could argue that the monitor itself isn't a piece of third party equipment because it was automatic. No. It was assumed to be used by the devs anyway. You you're always going to be using one, but the software that the monitor company put in so they could slap a gaming label on there to get consumers to buy it because you can now have a third screen. This is the thing that I really don't like that companies do is they put in. It's like, it's not, it's not even a require. It's like so far beyond it being necessary. Like obviously a monitor is necessary, but to have a crosshair, it's something they're doing to sell you one. So you will buy their product. Right. So then you can, it's like, you, you see what I mean? It's like, Hey, yeah, yeah. it's like, Hey, we're, you know, here's this cool gamer hack where you can have a third party crosshair you know it's like oh this isn't cheating you <laughs> i mean let me just amazon this real quick like it's so like the lines are just like they're so close together and they're like just barely blurred too down the middle yeah i just feel like there's a difference in intention between changing things like the colors on the game to levels that the yes. monitor supports versus a, a, a functional piece of software that changes the use of of the game in in some way you know is it being able to see stuff better or worse different colors sure. having deeper richer colors whatever that's it's graduations on existing functionality whereas you're adding a new piece of functionality there and i think somebody in chat said what if you drew a crosshair on the screen with a pen and i you know i <laughs> done actually, that. i actually have done that as well and yeah. the, when i when i've done that before was playing cs when all me and my friends used to play back in the day as a teenager was scouts knives <laughs> low gravity and there's no crosshair on the default position of right. the scout in cs source and that was what we used to play and i i put the tiniest 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 dot in the yep. center just so i could figure it out because <laughs> when you're on the ground and you stopped for a second it was perfectly accurate mm-hmm. pretty much um but then this is where the, this is where i was talking before about the definition of yes i would consider that cheating is it detectable in any way and can anyone no. ever do anything about it of course not so that's those are those things are two separate things that mm-hmm. you can never get caught, but it is technically cheating. Yes, I think that's the that's the thing. But uh, it's it's just it's it's a yeah, <laughs> it's a funny one. Yeah, and I feel like you know, as the developer, if that was like, let's take that scenario. That was the game, you know, Counter Strike Surf, you know, Scout Knife Only. That was the game, and if. The meta at the very, you know, the meta gaming of of the game itself was everyone had a dot on their screen. That became the norm. Well, the developers specifically designed the difficulty to not have like a clear indicator of where your thing was, right? So then it's like, as you said, they can't detect that. So what do they do? They have to like now dev around that 
So now they have your gun sways, you know, randomly. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's so weird. It's like, a, there's like some crazy relationship where it's like the developer is like, you know, the making the game and then the player plays the game and then the developer reacts to that. And they're both like gamifying each other. You know what I mean? It's like they're playing a game against each other. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to do this. No, I'm going to do this. And it's just like back and forth. I love it. I love yep. it. The I other thing I was going to say. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, you go for it. You go for it. Go for it. Um, I think that when we're talking about like color, frames, things like this, this, if it wasn't explicitly in the game design to run at crap and look like crap, you know what I mean? Like we have these settings where you can lower your resolution, change your resolution, up your gamma, change the brightness. We got post effects now. You know, if, if unless the intent of the developer was to have the game look and perform exactly at this thing on everyone's machines across the spectrum, which is just not going to happen, unless that's the intent, then I don't think you can say like, you know, buying a monitor that has like all these different you know color settings you can play with, or buying a high refresh monitor is cheating, or buying a graphics card is cheating. You know, I don't think you can like make those arguments, and I don't think any developer would i'd I'd be maybe there is like some ultra niche game that like man dude talking about some of this stuff makes me just want to like make some really bad games of like some really weird design ideas like making a game that like looks like crap and plays like crap runs at like 15 fps and that's the game and just to see like what like just conduct an experiment man you know i just want to like see what happens yeah Stuff like this. No matter just, your system, it always runs at 50 FPS. <laughs> yeah, right? it just looks like mud. Like, I don't know, just, just to be in. Like, you couldn't change it. You couldn't make it any better. Like, I don't know. That's the game, is playing the game through this crappy medium. Anyways. This is Church's vision. <laughs> don't change Church's New vision. Game. We want to play the game Church wants to make. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, the parallels. Uh, so, anyways. Yeah, I mean the other the other topic around that I suppose is you mentioned compression and yeah audio a little bit and there's been some decent chat about compression and audio and that stuff in the Tarkov land mostly Wompeg making his videos about compression which I thought was quite interesting and we touched did we touch on this last time afterwards I don't remember afterwards, when whether we yeah. spoke about this in particular because we didn't I'm uh, we we hadn't ever really talked about this before and so I think after the last podcast we had a little chat about audio and I revealed to church that I've been using Soundblock for ages actually. And it was primarily, it wasn't, it's nothing really to do with in-game Tarkov audio for me. It was, it's more about limiting some of the crazy imbalances in sounds within EFT to stop us all getting tinnitus and going deaf by the time that we're 40. That was deaf. It was much more about health and hearing for me than anything else, because some of the sounds, and I think you've noticed this, probably more when you're a content creator because you're editing clips and you can see that some of the the decibels sometimes these sounds it's weird how sound works and the way that human hearing works because sometimes you don't necessarily even notice that some of the sounds are really loud even though they are and some sounds are potentially more damaging than others just because they play over long periods of time or gunshots or whatever you're not really thinking about how loud the sound is because you're in the middle of a firefight so you don't really notice. But afterwards, when you're reviewing footage, you think, damn, these guns are really loud. And I started using Soundblock because I saw a post on Reddit about it. And 
complicated story, but I didn't want to use any of the other more complicated pieces of software like voice meter or any of those things because i didn't yeah. want to screw up my audio setup i actually might do now because there was like i was using i was doing some other stuff as well that required me to like keep my audio settings exactly the same so i didn't want to mess that up so i used soundlog just to fix eft so i might look into that actually and maybe try and tweak that because i don't know what i would like to do personally this is going off on a bit of a tangent but what i'd like to do is set my sound where i know that i'm going to be able to still be able to hear all of the stuff without and have it as low as as low as possible because there's certain thresholds where you hear nothing and then this is like with the footsteps thing you hear nothing and then within a range of x meters you then suddenly hear people what is that volume and do i need my sound as loud as it is which would then also mean that i maybe wouldn't even need sound lock anymore i I don't know i quite like sound lock because it reduces the the peak volumes that's really all it does it's it's technically well is it even a compressor it's not it's not even really a compressor soundlock isn't even a compressor so all soundlock does you can actually see it working if you open up your windows software all that happens is when something goes really loud it just reduces the volume of everything and then brings it back up again it's very very basic but for me it seems to work quite well so that's what i use it for is just to try and minimize the the peak volumes of some of those things but yeah if you want to go for an actual compressor i think one peg did a load of work on it the audio video that we talked about before with the veritas put out right at the end he basically said turn your volume down don't don't bother about any of this stuff is what he said because i think one of the funny takeaways from a compressor is you actually then increase the ambient sound because the ambient sounds quite low and the gunshots and that type of stuff is super loud obviously and what you're doing is quiet sounds get louder and loud sounds get quieter but that increases the the general whooshing which mm. i don't really like anyway yeah because you wear headsets the headsets in game uh, it's just like it's it's a, it's a long story headsets in game or have access to a deeper layer where it knows what sound comes from what source whereas an external compressor doesn't have any idea what comes from from where so an external compressor will increase the volume of all quiet sounds, including the ambient, whereas headsets in game in Tarkov decrease the ambient volume because Tarkov has that separated from everything else. So I tend to just use the razors or something and it decreases my ambient by a significant amount, I find. And I don't want to increase the ambient really. So I don't really see much use in, in a compressor. That's why I think a limiter is, is fine for me. So I thought... Um, I thought... The difference between a compressor and a limiter was that a limiter forces the sound threshold to a certain decibel, whereas a compressor does the same, but it instead of forcing it to what you set it at, it reduces it at a certain different rate. It doesn't actually boost anything. Am I wrong on that? Audio compressor. It should. Because should I didn't know it actually boosts... L- so it does equalize low and... It should equalize huh. all sounds. Is that kind of the idea? So, yeah, quieter sounds should go louder and louder sounds should get quieter. What it does is it just decreases the overall range of the audio from what it is now to oh. something tighter. It's sort of the idea. Wait, wait. Whereas, yeah, Soundlock doesn't work like that. Soundlock just changes the overall volume for everything. I'm going to read this Google result I just found. <laughs> <laughs> Compression reduces the... The dynamic range of your recording bring, by bringing it down, 
bringing down the level of the loudest parts, meaning the loud and quiet parts are now closer together in volume and the natural volume variations are less obvious. So brings down the level of the loudest parts. It doesn't say, oh, okay, wait, the audio compressor unit can then boost the overall level of this compressed signal. So the end result is that they're okay. So maybe there's an additional thing going. Interesting. I'll have to look, look into to that more because if it's just, if there's an actual difference between a compressor, like a software compressor, it's probably not. I, yeah, I need to look into this because I wasn't aware of this. So that's interesting. Anyways. Yeah. Jumping back. So, I mean, this, yeah, there's clearly issues with both because if you use a compressor, then your ambient becomes very loud. Relatively yeah. louder, relatively. Louder, right. If you use something like sound lock, then when you fire other things like footsteps, and ambient, but footsteps in particular get quieter, along with however much it's scaled down your shots by. <laughs> so you probably want some kind of... I don't know if this exists. I'm, no, I'm not an audio expert, but whether there's a something that just compresses the top end... I'm actually not sure if you could just... If you could do that, leave everything else the same, just compress the top end. Don't increase the volume at the bottom. I don't know if that exists. Maybe it Someone does. in chat, and I'm verifying this it appears it is a limiter and not a compressor sound lock so yeah i agree so it shouldn't actually reduce the footsteps unless those footsteps are hitting that threshold that it's set up well it well when i see what if you look in the windows audio it mm -hmm. decreases the volume it, it's i think it's very i think sound lock is very natively um, oh, sorry, you're saying just... like very naive. I think it's very naively doing saying. it. I see what you're saying because you see the overall level of all the whole channel come down. So unless it's just visualizing it in a weird way, I always interpreted that as and you and footsteps are definitely quieter with sound lock when you fire. Yeah, so you're, what you're basically saying is taking the Windows sound and just sliding it. That's down. what I think. Look, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I'm not an yeah. expert. Maybe oh, I'm I can wrong, see that. I can see that. From everything that I've seen so far and the way that it seems to interact with Windows Sound mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and these, the settings in Windows Sound, that seems to be, by vaguely looking through it as it's been doing its thing, and from yeah. the experience that I feel like I've had with it, it seems like it just reduces everything rather than just cutting off the, the high sounds. So... A, maybe I'm wrong. B, maybe there's a different program that you can use to do that properly. I'm not using it, I don't think. So, yeah. I was not a SoundLock user until OnePeg's video came along. And then I, I actually, I think I was playing a Night Raid with a G28 and the suppressor I was using what had like this piercing, screeching, like whatever frequency was hitting was just actually hurting my ears. Like, and I totally agree with everything you said, like, you know, Tarkov's gunshots are loud and then they're like peak very, very often. Um, but this one was actually like the first time I was like, man, this is like uncomfortably loud, like damaging my ears. So I used it, got it to an appropriate level and like just, man, it's been like one of the greatest things I have done. Like save your ears, guys. Absolutely use some. I would like highly recommend some type of limiter or limiting I like that's the thing is like I don't want to lower my volume because I want to hear the faint footsteps, right? But if you have something that can dynamically lower, that's like ideal. Now, 
would we say this is cheating? I'm of the opinion to say not, unless BSG wants users to have their ear bleeding and give them tinnitus, then yes, it's cheating. And I will be a cheater till the day I die, if that's the case. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting tinnitus, dude. Not, not this yeah, early. I, I don't know. I feel that the, the game should... Be, I, I, I don't know. I feel that for the health concerns, I feel like the game should really be designed in such a way that it doesn't have such crazy differences. Yeah, because we already like know, that. we already know that Tarkov has really loud audio for guns compared to a lot of other games. I think there's mm-hmm. one thing that you and you notice this mostly when you're playing with people who are new because everything they're scared to death, and that's uh, it's because all everything sounds like it's right <laughs> next to you when you first start playing this game. If you come from so any other bad. game, you come to EFT every gunfight sounds like it's happening within five feet of you because everything is so loud and people are used to playing other games where the gunshot audio is much more attenuated i think and so it becomes quite stark then people think it's everything's right there because it's so so noisy and so i think that should be part of the game but given that it's not part of the game i feel that when you're adjusting the overall sound balance in in that way that's similar to frames color on screen for the visuals post effects that kind of thing. that was that's how i interpret that anyway yeah. yes there aren't any controls within eft to do it but if you want to tinker with that externally i feel like that's okay i mean technically it's third party programs i suppose yeah and they are actually program it could be part of your headset i, I guess but it's not necessarily a default setting it's one that's actually it is more i would say it's further along the line than something in the monitor because all monitors have controls for changing the brightness and the contrast and the color balance and, and that kind of thing whereas not all headphones do not all headsets do and a lot of these programs require downloading and configuring before you can use them very few people are going to be doing that with their monitors uh, i know that things like nvidia reshade which got banned previously were effectively that so i wonder if there's any parallels to be taken from that i think that was because that was a a specific set of users had access to reshading the game in ways that bsg didn't like and that's why that got banned whereas changing your audio profile yeah i, don't know. I mean it's such a it really yeah. comes down to does bsg consider cheating or not you know because like for example i have done some really extensive um uh nvidia vibrancy control panel like monitor brightness monitor gamma monitor contrast monitor um saturation slash colorfulness and i've like tinkered it with post fx to where night interchange like in the garage is like (laughs) you can like everything's well defined you can see very well but moving from light source to shadow the transition because like a lot of the gradients between light and dark is like heavily diminish it's like very obvious there's like a very like clearly defined line like you know how you're loading into a raid and at the top it says loading into a raid there's like a light and then they're like gradients you know like slowly fades out into black the rest of your screen well mine's like yeah. mine's like there's it's like crunched in a lot more and so it's like and everything's a lot darker and the other parts a lot brighter like i don't know how to like describe it well but would point is would you consider that cheating it's like because maybe they want interchange to look like you can't see anything half the time 
game, but I, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's really up to BSG and then how do they like enforce that? Can they even force it? It's a, it's a whole nother. Yeah, longer. it's tricky. I mean, yeah. the, the other one, which I don't think is borderline at all because it's actually in the game, but there was a whole spate of people talking about doing night raids with black and white modes. You just turn all yeah. the post effects to change everything into black and white. And it's so much easier on the eye than the green. And yeah. it's easier to see as well what's I going on. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've watched videos of other people do it. I don't really play at night ever, so I haven't bothered with it, and I hate changing those settings, personally. I I hate changing them. So that's one reason why I don't really play an interchange, and I don't play at night either, because I don't want to be changing it over to black and white for the people in metagaming at black and white. I'm just not not really interested. And I find the, I find that the night gameplay, I think I'm, I think I'm just burnt by Night Factory, because the, that that map becomes so campy when people are playing Insomnia Quest and they're playing at night. I find it's I find it just much more entertaining in the day, personally, for the whole mm-hmm. game. So I don't know, but that's in the game, and you can do that using the in-game settings. But that yeah. was one that seems much more clicker. I mean, that's definitely not cheating because that's in the game. That's up to BSG to change their settings if they want people not to do it like that. Where they have all these color filters and sepia tones and you can turn that from 100 down to zero and put the brightness up to 100 and have everything in these weird settings so that it's all completely monochrome is um interesting so that was the only other thing that i was going to say about about that which is clearly not cheating but yeah use of the settings in a i think egregious is probably too strong a word but you know use use of the settings in maybe a way that wasn't intended but uh, it right is, is it is it a glitch like not really kind of uh, i don't know maybe it was an unintended consequence of what they did but it's not necessarily a glitch per se i think it's an emergent player behavior is how yeah. i describe it you know it's things like the meta guns appearing just by virtue of people using everything and eventually certain things are good because of a combination of ammo or availability or usage or because the canted bugs back and everyone has zero ergo, uh, has full ergo again, stuff, random stuff like this. So you get emergent player behaviors, which are not necessarily glitches. They're just people trying to optimize things and come, the community comes to a consensus of what's decent. I feel like that's kind of similar. So yeah, it's, it's a tough call. It's a tough call on mm-hmm. some of these, on some of these things. Most of the time it doesn't matter because uh, you can't enforce half this stuff anyway. Yeah. So the third party exploits is one thing, but, compressors or whatever because it's all outside of the game there's no way the bsg really could tell unless they also you know battle looking for specific app but i don't think anybody would ever get penalized for running a compressor on their machine i wouldn't have thought (laughs) uh i mean it's it wouldn't yeah i know like at some anti-cheats at one point i used to like where like flag um razor synapses like they're um software for their like gaming hardware and stuff like that you know at some point in history i mean it's like i think of course it was just a false flag but you know stuff like mm-hmm. this is like it's always possible um that they could yeah. do it but i think just to give another example and then we'll move on um is i think of rust <laughs> sure mm-hmm. talk about rust at one point there was a really prevalent use of like NVIDIA reshade, like you're talking about. And I, it might've just been NVIDIA's filters, but regardless, people basically would nighttime, they could just see like clear as day. Right. And so Russ, they were like, well, we can't like 
stop people from changing like we can't ban nvidia's software because it's like baked into their drivers like it's just not possible so what do we do we just developed the game around it so they made night like pitch black <laughs> so nobody can like you have to use a torch or a flashlight and sometimes you can see if the moon's out and and it's like but it's like literally it's like it goes from like visible to non-visible. Like there is no like in between. So, um, I, I, I yeah. Again, it's that that meta gaming player, meta gaming the devs and devs gamifying their game to counteract the gamers. It's it's great. I love it. Yeah, it it, it is funny. I believe because it, we know that Tarkov's night time kind of works in a funny way. But I do believe I remember reading this somewhere. Don't quote me on this because I. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think this is true, but I don't. I just can't remember where I saw it, and it's a long time ago now. But I believe, I believe that Factory is actually got two different maps. I think Factory Day and Factory Night are two completely separate maps. I, I think yeah. to make the Factory Night version completely pitch black, and that also explains why the timers are stationary too, because they don't. Yeah. There's no. It doesn't go from one to the other. It's just you either play day or you play the completely pitch black. This you cannot really play without a torch or being near lighting or with MVGs kind of thing. Which is sort of interesting because that's you just reminded me of that then because I think that's sort of similar in some ways. So on lots of other maps you can play at night without really anything and it's it's kind of okay. Most of the time the moon's out or there's enough ambient lighting to make it work. Something somewhere like Interchange where the lighting's kind of spooky anyway. <laughs> Who knows where it's coming from? It just emanates out of everything. Maybe that's the cultist's home ground. Who knows? Maybe it's, oh maybe it's the whole Interchange. Maybe that was the real cult all along. Who knows? The whole thing's just emanating candlelight out of every wall the whole thing's haunted but um yeah no, it's, why, it's interesting it's interesting that's why kill is so strong because they sacrifice <laughs> all their sacrifices there to summon kill on interchange he's a demon of interchange <laughs> yeah exactly he's got every stim just... <laughs> <laughs> underneath his mask is like six six so completely different topic mm-hmm. well, but i don't know how many other topics that you have for today well let's do this um we're gonna take i think we're gonna take i don't know it's a we we might okay if you have a question for us and you want to or a topic we or whatever to. jump in the discord and in the live channel and we'll get you set up because events thing did not work out because we couldn't record it was very awkward but um and then we'll wrap up here in a couple of minutes i'll say like so yes Giga, what were you gonna say what was the other thing you were gonna talk about it was a separate topic completely which was about the scar and some of the stats that we were talking about oh before. yeah yeah um, let's hear it i can i can whip through it quickly because it's as I said, nothing super groundbreaking because we talked about this mostly last time about how the Scar has some good stats and so does the MDR and the M4's got bad stats and the recoil is also quite bad. But there's, I was trying to look in game exactly how these things work. And like most of this is in the video, but it's in a much more compressed format. So I was trying to understand exactly what the impact is of some of those stats on the various weapons. And one thing that I found was quite interesting because we know that recoil isn't comparable between different, between really any guns. But what's, what I found fast, I tried, I tried a test that I thought would come out differently, which was firing two bullets. You fire, the first bullet goes just dead center, and then the second shot goes. It's actually very similar to the test that I did for the low, the recoil reducing rounds. Yeah. And I used the M4, and I used the MDR, and I used the SCAR-L. 
And I put them all to 56 vertical recoil because it was the easiest one to get to. The MDR really pins you into that range. It's very hard to get it to do anything else. So I put the MDR there and then match the others. And that first bullet, that, or the bullet number two, I should say, so the first round that actually receives recoil, and if you don't change anything with the mouse, it's actually identical for all of them, quite interestingly, which does make sense given what we know about some of these statistics now, because the vertical recoil just tells you about the impulse on oh, the weapon. I see. So for that very second shot, auto compensation and all of this other stuff hasn't kicked in yet. So when you fire literally two shots over and over and over and over again, they're all identical. They're completely the same. And it's only for that extended spray that it ends up becoming super bad for the M4. And the SCAR and the MDR, as we've seen, have the same vertical profile. And they have the same fire rate too. Mm. And so they end up basically being the same in vertical terms. But the, the M4, yes, it's got a higher fire rate. But if you fire a shot and then you measure how long it takes to come back to the center it does take more time to get back so even on semi-auto in theory the m4 is actually worse than the other two guns because of that and it's when on my monitor with 60 hertz i measured 22 frames and for the other two and then 27 for the m4 and it doesn't seem that you can't really tell if you just fire those guns it's too fast to notice without slowing it down and counting it frame by frame if you do it on one shot, it's almost not noticeable, to be honest with you, because those last five frames, it's so close to being back to zero anyway. It's so hard to tell. But if you fire two bullets and then measure it, the time's actually the same there. So it's still 22 frames and 27 frames, but it's much more noticeable because they're coming from a much higher point. So mm. the combination of higher fire rate on the M4 and also the fact that it takes longer to come back to the central point that multiplies up on the M4 to make it just wildly bad compared to the other two because it's the faster fire rate and more rounds in the same period of time with with a less ability to go back to where they were means that it just feels it feels bad. But this this kind of gave me another another thought was could you replicate the way that recoil works in Tarkov? And not calc well, yeah, calculated, I suppose, externally, and see if you can come out to the same profile. So what I did was I oh my god, effectively mapped out the profile of a round being one round being fired and what that sort of curve looks like as the gun returns to the center. So then I took that profile and using the fire rates of the various of the two guns, superimposed that over the top of itself summed them all up and then drew a chart of the whole recall pattern. And what's interesting is you don't actually see what you what you see in game. You do get the it comes up and down and up and down and up and down this frame by frame. And so every because you're firing about every fourth frame every fifth frame or something with the scar, for example. So it goes up and then up and then up and up and you end up in this steady state pattern, but it never drops to half. So normally it goes up and then it drops to halfway and then and then is steady state from there, roughly. With all the guns, as we as we know, but if you just sum up those recoil patterns, that doesn't happen. It comes up and then stays there. So there's some there's actually something else. This is a theory. I I couldn't really explain it properly, but there's something else going on on long sprays. I think either the impulse is decreased or the auto compensation is increased in some way. There's there's some change in the calculation as it goes through to get it to settle down at a lower point. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. You can't just super like each individual shot can't be independent. 
because otherwise it wouldn't right. go back down, which I thought was interesting. It's a, it doesn't really practically change anything, but it's, it was, I was intrigued to see whether it would fit the pattern and it, and it didn't. So in a general sense of us being interested in this kind of thing, I thought that was interesting nonetheless, because there's clearly something else happening behind the scenes as you go through more shots and then yeah it's, it's not just each individual shot is returning to its central target there's something else involved exactly what i'm not sure but yes yeah. i mean the, the conclusions of the whole thing aren't really any different the scar has by far the best recoil profile out of all of them and the horizontal is better too the mdr is the same for vertical but the horizontal recoil is the same as the m4 and the m4 has the worst auto compensation out of all of them but with the fire rate it ends up the recoil pattern is just awful but it was cool to look into the more detailed specifics of exactly how that functions, even though the yeah. individual shot recoil is the same, but there's a slight longer return and all of this. It's I'd never delved deeply into it in that particular way, which I was like, look, if I'm going to look at this, I'm going to look at this properly because I don't want to just come to the same conclusion as everyone else without giving anything new. And I want to look at this in the way that I want to look at it and come up with some theories and see if, see if that matches what we see in practice. And if it doesn't, that's interesting. If it does, it's interesting. It tells us something either which way. So that's really the whole the whole premise and what I ended up ended up doing. That the only thing, the only thing that is seems to be different between them is that the M4, pretty much any M4 build that you can make using semi decent parts is really light compared to the MDR, for example, and also mm. the Scar. Although the MDR is actually the heaviest out of all of them, it's really? made up four by ergo. So the MDR is really heavy, actually. I was I was I'm, quite surprised. I'm uh, yeah, I'm also surprised. So because I made a couple of different builds, and I think w fully loaded, the MDR was nearly five kilos. The um, Scar was four and a half, and the M4 was three point seven or something. And that was maybe because I was using the Alexander Arms handguard, but I use that one all the time, and it's budget meta, if you know what I mean, because it's got yeah, the negative three yeah. percent recoil. But the M4 builds just seemed pretty light in in general. And so when I was looking at ADS speed, the Scar was actually the worst out of all of those builds. The MDR was good anyway, despite its weight, because the ergonomics is up to 60 or something. And the M4 was almost identical on ergonomics as the MDR. So I found something the Scarrell's not as good at, and that was that was ADS speed. But that was suppressed. That was with the Seiko Silence Seiko Suppressor. So it had an average, an average ergonomics value with the middle weight. And it was the worst on ergonomics because the M4 was lower weight, but with a average ergonomics which meant that it was okay at ads and the mdr had a above average ergonomics but with a higher weight but that kind of balanced that and they ended up being similar so it still doesn't really put the m4 into any better place because if you want <laughs> if you want higher ergonomics you want better you want snappier weapons and you want to be using semi in a snappy way then the mdr is still better which was a bit of a shame i was hoping that there would be some outcome yes you still get 800 rpm yes it still technically has a higher time to kill but the the Dude, the first four or five shots recoil it's so if you're, you're using on full auto it just doesn't work when you're talking about you know horizontal recoil vertical recoil recoil compensation you're talking about the hidden stats that we talked about last week right thought of yes but i was talking about them in a practical sense so i haven't i didn't even need to reference any of that stuff in sure. the actual official video because you can test all of these things in practice look at the number of frames it takes to get to the center right look at the recoil profiles and literally just measure them on screen you know that kind of thing which is which is what i did because i i wanted to see practically what it what that means yes now let me ask you this when you did the tests of you know 
firing two bullets, you know, back to back. Would on all the guns guns across the board, would the recoil go sh- literally ninety degrees, like just straight up? Never like deviated like ninety one or eighty nine degrees. Well, no, they 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 deviate with horizontal recoil. Okay, okay, for the okay. second round. Interesting. So, but... on average, yes, but per bullet, no. There's a spread. Okay, but the the auto compensation doesn't kick in and within that two bullet range is what you're saying more or less yeah so you see the auto compensation you see the auto compensation even on an individual round but it's spread out over the following 22 to 27 frames whereas the second shot happens because all the all the second shot is for is just for measuring that's such an interesting point i don't really the second shot is really just for kind of measuring the height of the the spray. It's actually interesting because you would imagine, hmm, you made me think about something else that, that I hadn't really considered before, but because of the change in fire rate of the M4, I guess even though the fire rate is quite different, you're looking at somewhere around the fourth or fifth frame because it's such a small, you're talking about very small numbers, and it's quite it's interesting. Because when I was looking at it frame by frame, I was looking yeah. at it thinking, "Oh wow, some of these, some of these, like the way that the the crosshair moves around, and the way that the bullet placement happens is quite interesting." And then you play it at full speed, and you're like, "Dude, I can't tell anything that's happening here at full speed. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm looking at like the individual frames between shots. There's like three, four frames where it's dropping down and stuff, but you just got you can't you just can't tell when it's at 800 RPM. So I think that's the thing between those two between those two rounds. The second round happens so quickly. So you fire the first bullet, and then the second bullet comes through. The auto conversation hasn't really had a chance to do what it's supposed to do because you're talking about you. You start at frame zero, which is the very first one where the, sh- the first shot fires. You have get a vertical recoil that impact effect, and then you fire a second bullet. After that, we don't care. So the second bullet, yeah. we just don't care about that at all, and we're just measuring right. that distance between bullet one firing and bullet two firing. Now, what I hadn't thought about, which is why I paused there for a minute, was that second bullet fires earlier on the M4 than it does for the other two. Mm-hmm. But because the fire rate is 650 versus 800 and we're talking about tiny tiny differences between two bullets at least it kind of happens either at frame four or frame five it's so right, so close right. that it doesn't really seem it doesn't really make any difference anyway it was it was the same height for both i think you get to the around it's probably actually huh. coincidental that the round you get to that point where the first shot comes up stops and then starts to travel back down again at about the same time as the that's why i'd be curious second shot fires so even though it doesn't really matter it's a curve of the first round so it doesn't really matter whether you hit it just before or just afterwards it's sort of at that stationary point where it's just turning so it's less sensitive to the fire rate which explains why it's still it's still okay and is still valid i suddenly thought maybe your question made me think that i'd invalidated my own work and it's like literally at the beginning of the video so i was like god damn it judge um but yeah, so it it was it was the same, and the fire rate doesn't matter because it's in that in, inflection point of of 
turning the first round's turning from moving the gun up to moving the gun back down and it's hmm. i look forward to the video place. i'm a very yeah. visual person so maybe i'm missing um yeah i mean i, I think some details i do <laughs> i do actually think i've done a good job of, of showing it because most of the video is <laughs> most of the video is just me talking with various guns going ding ding yeah ding ding with lots of side by sides and right uh, comparisons and that kind of stuff and and, and some charts and things because what i did i actually <laughs> i've got a a jpeg in my pictures called measuring stick and i just made an arbitrary measuring scale because i was thinking i'm not really sure how else to do this because i needed to <laughs> draw the pattern out of how, well, how the bullet works so i've just got a little stick thing i just made a few boxes one two three four five just there's, there's no real measurement on this thing it doesn't really it. matter because we're just comparing right. we're comparing things at the same distance so it's just the relative mm-hmm. distances that, that make any difference so yeah there's a bunch of charts with these arbitrary measuring scales on and so we can just mm. make some comparisons and stuff but yeah see what you think maybe maybe there'll be some more questions out of it that warrant further investigation but I, I feel like i've gleaned kind of as much as i can out of it without going down the route of what are we even looking at this for <laughs> you know what i really have been like mulling over like past couple of days is <sighs> dabbling in the dark arts man i'm like oh no tempted to start modding tarkov and like redesign stuff and just and like make a video out of it and just see what happens like i don't know i'm so tempted like i don't know if you've ever seen these types of videos before but for example um is it iron pineapple no that's not the guy what's the other dark souls guy oh man in inferno plus inferno plus i don't know if you've ever seen his content before but he has a video that's like pretty popular i would imagine but he took dark souls one and he made a mod multiplayer mod for it that's what if dark souls was made in the halo universe (laughs) and it's literally the halo like blood gulch map like i'm pretty sure he's got vehicles working like all the gun like all the guns and everything like like dude the stuff he's done for that's insane that's all like you know yeah you can go download and play right now and there's like you know it's it's like a whole thing right yeah but um yeah, I don't know. Just like I've been looking at the inertia stuff because I've been seeing like the Twitter mm, lots of rounds, yeah, and whatnot. And um, I would just be like, I would just love if like just to get behind the wheel, I guess you could say <laughs> inertia <laughs> movement puns, and um, just like if if it was possible to like you know tinker with the system and. Mm. And you know, just tweak values. Like I would just like be so interested because if if I don't know, I've just I don't know. It's it, it. I I just think it'd be fun. And then if it was actually like an improvement, I'd be like, yeah. And if you know BSG likes this, you know, I'll be happy to send them my work. You know, here's my resume. Be just not. <laughs> But just like seriously, like just be happy to like if like this at all like helps, yeah, or gives them value yeah, I know what or mean. whatever. But but turn it into like a content piece. Like I would love to like, I got some ideas. Like you know, just like because you can't have it in a. I, well, you probably could, but I wouldn't want to have a 
server that people connect to and and things like this like that's oh, just yeah. that's just a little too far for me so assuming that people were willing you know i could like get them to play it and then have them record it and get their reaction you know and just like but it, it, this like extends to like you know the the recoil system I've, anyways i've been mulling it over because i've done some modding for like halo one way back in the day which was like god those were does they had such a weird system tags and whatnot it's just like everything had like a tag and it was yeah, it was weird like references for everything it was anyways so um i don't know that's yeah that's been something that i've been mulling over plus the go learn unity make some really bad games with some really weird game designs like i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna throw another one at you because i'm trying to get it all out before we wrap up but um yep yep i i read a comment on our discussion with arcs semester about hardcore and um they said something to the effect of that Hardcore doesn't exist. It's just a mentality. And I was like, you know what? He's got a good point there because any of the difficulty or hardcoreness is you typically can just get better at the game and overcome it. Right. And it's like, it's all subjective, you know, like CSGO yeah. player get right. could be like, you know, this game's easy. CSGO is easy. Whereas, like, you know, church is like, man, this game's hardcore. I suck. You know, it's just like, it's all subjective. Right. And I was like, he's kind of got a good point. And through like my ramblings of my response and then mulling it over and everything, I, I sort of came to the conclusion that maybe it's not an issue of is Tarkov is is Tarkov hardcore oh, cool. or not? Yeah, Tarkov. Is it hardcore or not? When you're talking about like secure container mechanics and such, not. But is it just more of an issue of like accomplishing goals, right? And so here here's the example example i'll set before you let's say we're playing a game of darts right and the goal is to hit the bullseye and if you hit the bullseye you win if you don't you lose right well it's like very clear what your goal is you know whatever blah 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 okay let's say i change the rules a bit let's say if you hit the bullseye you win if you don't hit the bullseye hit anywhere else you also win well then it's like well what's the point you know is it even a game you know, because you like you can't win or lose. There's no challenge, right? Yeah. And so here's here's the really interesting part. Let's say I change the rules again. Let's say you hit the bullseye, right? You lose. If you hit anything else, you win. Okay. Mm -hmm. The goal. It's like it's the exact same thing. Nothing has really changed. There's still like skill involved, right? Because you you know you you could be really bad and hit the bullseye every time, right? I mean, I guess it's not a great example because the bullseye is really small, but like my point is, is like you haven't really changed anything. It's just what you associate is different, right? Let's say you're playing Mario, okay? And you know if you hit enemies, you die, right? Or if you fall off, you die and you go back to the start level. What yeah. if you made a Mario clone and it was flipped on his head? To progress, you had to die and you just move forward, right? And if you try to like avoid everything and made it to the end, you just get teleported back to the beginning. But like without that being explicitly explained to the player, they would play the game normally and then the game would punish them, right? Because they associate falling with dying and losing progression and getting hit by the enemy with losing progression. But it's inverse. 
Do you see what I mean of it? The only or thing I, that I'm or... thinking here is that I don't want to play any of the games that you're making, Church, because this is exactly what you're talking about. If you make a Mario clone where you just you lose endlessly until eventually you die and then you finally win, I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to live in a world where Church's game suite exists, you know? Oh, my God. Ah. Uh. I don't know, man. What, just, okay, I, I see what you mean, but what what's the what where where is this where where is how this, this relate? How does this how does this relate to to Tarkov? If the goal <laughs> is to make money, we'll just say that's the only goal, right? Okay, okay, and you can you're you're punished when you die because you lose stuff, but you also can choose how much you're going to lose, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's sort of like a wagering system. Um then you then you add on the secure container on top of it, right? So if you take these two ideas, you can choose how much you you lose, and you can take something from through death and, and get a payment for it essentially. You it's like your it's kind of like the bullseye analogy. Um, except that you can talk about opportunity costs and like, uh, you know, well, if I bring, you know, more space, I can take more stuff out, things like this. Sure. But I guess that's just like sort of my question to BSG because in the past, before you and I were playing, people were hatchet running all the time because they could complete their quests. They could progress through the game through doing this, right? There was no found and raid system. You could just grab X item that you need for a quest, disconnect, and turn it in, yeah. right? So there was almost like no point because I could aim for the bullseye, or I could just not aim at all and and still, right? There's some, just like it's not even a game. So that's you know they shrunk that circle down, right? And then. By adding found and raid, but it still wasn't on the flea market. So people were still getting high value loot items in their containers, dying or disconnecting, and then selling them to accomplish the goal of getting money. And then they added the the found and raid system. And you have players like me who rush hot loot spawns and shove you know price per slot up their butt. GPUs are where it's at in my opinion. Lettuces are also really good, but that's if you do the barter. But anyways, that's like the final frontier for me is like are if they're okay with that, then fine. You know, it's not for me, but fine. But that's think, like where it's yeah. at for me. I think the way that you link that back to the bullseye analogy is that mm-hmm. the way that Tarkov is with that, in in my opinion, is you have your bullseye game Yes. The game is you can wager a certain amount. If you hit the bullseye, you get double whatever you wagered, let's say. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Triple. That's the triple isn't doesn't really matter what the number is. You get triple what you wagered. If you hit anywhere else, you lose everything that you wagered. But no matter where you hit on the board, you also get a small fixed amount, regardless. Regardless of how much you wagered. Yes. So you get back. A small amount and so then what people were saying is ah what if i wager nothing yes and no matter where i hit on the board i always get a small fixed amount yes. regardless 
And that's the metagaming of that system. That's like when you boil it all down to the bullseye system, that seems where it is. And people are like, well, but you're not, the way you're supposed to play the game, you're supposed to do the wager and then you're supposed to skill shot the bullseye so you triple your money. And people are like, yeah, dude, but if I just bring in nothing, if I don't wager anything, I could just hit anywhere on the board and I just do that over and over and over and over and over and over again and I always win. Here's the, uh, here's the next step that I've, me and my buddy, we've been doing this for a while, but we, I haven't really been doing it as keenly as lately but in the past you know it was like penis helmet cat barter ak um like just the like ultra budget yes it's like 900 like you know 120k kit as long as i get 120k or higher value in my container i'm good so it's like i don't know it's like how does that fit into your analogy because it's like it's not just a small payout it's like oh it's not it's not that i'm wagering nothing it's i am wagering something but if i hit this threshold every time i'm always good and it makes i don't know it just makes the survival part of the game like kind of meaningless because yeah half the time and it's that like changes, exactly that changes the payout again so that's like okay so now we've changed the payout of the bullseye to be a small fixed payment on the outside a, a large fixed payment in the bullseye plus triple what you wagered and you say, okay, well, I'll just take in a very small wager. I'll still make the fixed amount if I hit the bullseye. Still wagering, yeah. Even if even if I miss, yeah. You know, I think with this, I mean, then the analogy starts to fall apart because now we need to talk about sure. survival rate and all this stuff, right? And like sure. using a using a, a you've got your chart of survival rate versus rubles taken in, and there's a sweet spot at about 120 k yeah. roughly <laughs> where. You stop dying to buckshot. You stop dying to nine mil people with pistols. But you're not spending too much on your kits when you die. It doesn't matter. So you can still run around like a lunatic. But you're not having to play a full tactical raid because you're in your all, you know, class five yeah. gear and blah, 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 blah. So you don't, you're not playing properly per se. But you're just running in, just min maxing the time in each raid and just cranking it through. So that's, that's sort of where then it, yeah, the analogy starts to, it needs to be. You need to then start talking a bit more about Tarkov rather than just the bullseye thing. But it's it, you get to sort of the same, sim, a similar-ish result. A similar-ish result. I just, yeah, I don't really see the secure containers being such a, a problem now as it as it ever was. I think so many less people are doing that. I mean, it's still possible, but I just think most people don't really do it now. There's Tagged and Cursed, I guess, has a small effect. And then the Finding Raid, yeah, unless you curse. find a GPU. Unless you find a GPU, then... Or something like that, and you can rush those spots, and that's that's all well and good. But I don't really play much interchange, so I don't see many people doing it because there aren't really guaranteed spots like that anymore for on most of the other maps anyway. So I hardly see people doing hatch runs or anything like that. Yeah, well, I think I think hatchet running is mostly dead. Um, you're better off running your scav through factory, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think you're better off doing scav or. Just bringing a half-empty container. It it just depends because it is very like, for example, Tetris is like seventy-four k. If you get two of those, that's like a kit pay for it. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. It's just something that that part really bugs me because on one hand you have you know just reducing the punishment. On the other hand, you have like negating the punishment once you go past that threshold, and that's just the part that bugs me. And um. What was the other thing I was going to say? I forgot, so. Well, did we want to try 
Is, is there anybody waiting? Did we? I, I, mean, I know we had some setup issues, so if not, um, we can wait until next time to like figure it out. But not so we'll Fine. go again next time. Um, yeah, I kind of figured it out. Unfortunately, it was uh, the whims the... of Discord are complicated. Yeah, not not exactly ideal for what we're doing, but we'll push through for next time. So, um, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up. And yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. Catch you later.